This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it is the 2nd of June 2023. And today we're talking all about WWDC and big news from Meta. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest is back. Hello, Sean Priest. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Stephen Scott. Meta. I still can't get used to that name. It's a terrible name, isn't it? And it's also pointless because when you think about it, the metaverse is dead. Oh, well, yeah. It should be the AI-verse now because that's what it's all about now. It's kind of like, you know, you almost some companies might maybe make, you know, the odd investment here or there or whatever. And, you know, Meta have put in billions into the billions. Metaverse. And you just imagine at the shareholder meeting them going, yeah, you know, we tried it. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> it basically it was just Mark Zuckerberg sitting at a bar <laughs> inside a virtual world. And, and he was alone. And that was it. That was the Metaverse for Aww. all of 10 minutes. Hey, I don't know. It may may come back. It's not gone away. It is the future. It's not the future. It is not the future. What, you mean unless Apple do it? Is, is Apple going to make the metaverse the future? I still can't quite conceive how it would work and how it would be better than what we've got today. But, hey, famous last words, right? But, I mean, it, um, okay, web point three, we will find out. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, again, we kind of laugh. And it's funny, right, when you think about it, we laugh at these things, these concepts of metaverse, meta worlds. But then I don't know if you said to someone in 1997... You're going to be sitting staring at a rectangular glass screen and you will be hooked on every single element that's going on. It will create, that device itself will create national and international conversation. Yeah. And even, you know, direct people towards where they vote in the voting booth. Yeah, I would have said that sounds right. Yeah, well done. Because as you know, I am very forward thinking. I'm a futurist. Yes. Oh, you've got what they call presentism. Now, I've heard about this phrase. This You heard about this thing, this presentism no. thing? You know, where basically you, you, wherever you are today in your mind, you would have been in the same mindset back, you know, back then. So, you know, in nine million years ago, or yes. whenever the dinosaurs roamed the earth, you'd have been all against asteroids, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. No, I've never heard of that. That must be a Scottish <laughs> thing. Okay. That sounds good. I live in the now. I know that much. I don't even think about tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you and me both. Our waistlines give that away. Um, But yes, we do start today with some breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, because uh, Meta have announced the Quest 3, their (gasps) latest headset. Uh, And it's interesting because it it comes out in advance of Monday's big news from Apple. Interesting timing. Do they Um, know something, do you think? mm, Well, let's just say they're getting ahead of the game, that's for sure. Uh, Mark Aflalo, host on Double Tap TV, he joins us here today to tell us more about it. Mark, good to have you back. Well, Stephen, Sean, thank you for having me on the show today. So nice to be here after so long of being rejected over and over (sighs) again. (sighs) Oh, anyway, uh, MetaQuest 3, yeah, this was announced a couple (laughs) days ago. Mark Zuckerberg himself posted an announcement online introducing the Meta Quest 3 coming this fall. So we don't actually have a release date. We just know that they're lowering the price of the Quest 2 to 299 US dollars for the 128 gig model um, starting June 4th. So they're lowering that price so that people uh, don't feel too uh, too horrible when they want to buy the Meta Quest 3. It's uh, going to be available in all countries where it's currently supported. The 128 gig headset is going to start at 499 US dollars, and there's also going to be another storage option as well. They're expecting to have a lot more details at Meta Connect, which is their annual developers conference, that happening on September the 27th. So still a while to wait for this. And the Quest 3 is going to be their most powerful headset yet. It's got a slimmer design. It's got a higher resolution display with their pancake lens where they sandwich things together to make content look better. Um, of course, they're going to have a new next generation Snapdragon chipset developed in collaboration with Qualcomm specifically for this headset. Uh, they're saying immersive VR breakthrough meta reality in a single device uh, redesigned 40 percent slimmer across the board. Uh, there's touch plus controllers, new controllers for the hand. Uh, obviously, they've got their library of contents. So they do have a leg up on the competition. I say that now 
because Monday we're expecting to see what Apple finally has in store for us when mm. it comes to this category. So yep. MetaQuest 3 coming this fall, like most products that are going to be announced in the next couple of days. Thanks again for having me on the show, guys. It's so nice to be here to be able to submit. Guys, you left, didn't you? Crap. <laughs> oh, we love to play with old Mark. Uh, Mark Aflalo there joining us <laughs> from Double Tap TV, of course, uh, telling us all about the Meta Quest 3. Are you excited about this? I mean, look, I, I know this is no. one of those ones I feel we we're covering no. this because we kind of, you know, we do a tech show and we probably should talk about tech every so often. Um, but this is a very visual piece of tech with a little bit, I have to say this, a little bit of accessibility in there, but not enough for us, right? Not for you and I. Yes, I can't wait for the meta reality to come into my life. Um, no. Okay. I'm being, I'm being sarcastic. Do you know what it is? I, I kind of I kind of feel the same way about gaming consoles. And I know there's a lot of work going into accessibility, but for someone who can't see the screen at all, I, I, I know I, I honestly don't see the worth in it. I know, and that's a harsh thing <gasps> to say. And I know there's a lot of work going into the accessibility of all VR uh, headsets as well. And there's a consortium out there, especially for accessibility when it comes Not to virtual reality. Not a consortium. Rea- there is a consortium, Stephen Scott, about accessibility in the VR realm. But uh, Not a, a realm. Uh, yes, a realm. It's a very, <laughs> stop it now. It's a very visual thing. I don't know. Um, yes, okay, we will see. I get the sort of vibe of 3D TVs. They were great and very popular for a while, and then everyone realised they were absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> I do feel we do put too much of a visual, non-visual spin on these stories. Um, but it's hard not to, right, when we when we do this. I mean, you know, we try and get excited about them for, you know, our audience's sake, but some of it is kind of hard well, to... Well, no, because the, the, the point is, if these do become mainstream then, you know, we can't be left behind and say, oh, what about us? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, and there is a chance that, that VR could be, you know, they could take the place. Now, I don't think the current design and the form factor of VR headsets, that's why I'm excited to see what Apple do if they do come out of WWDC, the, what they bring out in their form factor. When, they, when these are sunglasses or regular glasses you can put on, they are going to be massive. Until then, I'm not convinced. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about the games on consoles because it, as much as I want to do the <gasps> shocking, how dare you even suggest for a second that, know. you know, but I then think, I kind of agree though. I think I'm there as well. I feel that as much as there's a huge amount of work going on and there is, and there's a lot of people who'll benefit from it. I just, I'm not one of them, you know? And I think that's okay to say, right? It's not that it has it? to be. Well, I'm it worried. is because no, because I'm not doing it down. I'm not saying, you know, okay, games companies you are off the hook. You don't have to bother. I will admit, I think I was in that place maybe five years, ten years ago. I think I did feel then, you know what? Don't bother trying to make Grand Theft Auto accessible. You know, as much as it might be an enjoyable experience, what am I really going to get out of it? You know? Yeah, but, uh, but I'm, I kind of, I kind of see how they've, they've, the, the companies have really worked. And I have to say, and this is why I'm not doing it down. People like Steve Saylor, Ian Hamilton, the people out there who are doing incredible yes. work to. Yeah push these companies forward and, and in really impactful ways, it, changing the industry, changing the mindset of the industry. And an yes. industry which takes years to develop new games and they're already implementing new features. Is it perfect yet? No. Are they trying? Yes. And that's good. And, you know, I hope that, I imagine that that will definitely extend to the meta worlds of gaming as well. But Absolutely. But that's why we need to talk about it. That's why we mm. need to keep our fingers on what's actually happening. But I think it's also okay to say... Yeah, it's not for me. Well, until I find a use case for it, you know, and, and if a that use comes case along, for gaming, what are you talking about? Well, no, a use a use case for the VR headset. If it can, you know, if it can highlight, if the soldiers in Call of Duty can come and clean your house. What I'm saying is the technology itself doesn't have to be exclusively for gaming. If there's some practical mobility use I can get from it. Absolutely fantastic. Take awesome. that tone with me, Sean. I, I am taking that. I'm taking that tone with you, Stephen Scott. Um, <laughs> did you hear? Did you see Billy B's comment about me on on social media? Absolutely uh, disgusting. 
since we made the announcement that, hey, we're on Mastodon, I don't think I've opened it again. So if you contacted me on Mastodon, I'm so sorry. I will get to it. Oh, this was I'm... on Twitter, right? This was on the okay. network where you know where the people are. Yes. And um, oh. we... <laughs> <laughs> that soon turned around. So it's, oh, yeah, I'm liking this Mastodon. So, I, if I'm honest, it's a bit boring on that Mastodon oh, thing. Oh, I see. Drama it's, queen. It's just, yeah, <laughs> they're all That's too nice. <laughs> they're all very nice. So, do you know what? If you want a nice, peaceful, quiet village, I like the rough and tumble of a city. Uh, which is why I quite enjoy <laughs> so the odd argument people on not Twitter. being nice, what did Billy say? <laughs> Billy said to me that on Double Tap TV this week, I must have used the word blur. And he said, "Why does it? Why is it when you say the word blur, it sounds like you're being sick?" He's absolutely right. <laughs> He's right. Well done, Billy. Blur. I totally agree. Blur. I'm going to. I'm going to blur all over you. <laughs> oh, I forgot totally where I was going now with Good. that. Oh, um, shall we uh, uh, talk about something else? Yes, please. So, Soundscape has been the. the conversation to starter and ender for many, many months now, uh, considering this is the month that it it finally says goodbye, at least as far as Microsoft are concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, We got an email in from one of our listeners, Paul, who has uh, many views on this, and uh, he wanted to share some of them. So I will warn you, this is is one of those emails you probably want to get comfortable. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to sit back, grab my drink. Because this is going to take a couple of moments. Laura reads our email. Hi, Double Tappers. You may want to get yourselves a nice drink and settle down in your favourite comfy chair. This is going to be a bit of a lengthy one. Being quite anxious regarding Soundscape's demise, I have been looking for an alternative and I have found one. It is called Blind Square and cost me £40, which I was a bit reluctant to spend as there was no trial period. So before I spent my money, I tried all of the other free GPS apps, such as Lanzarillo and Good Maps, all with poor results. I looked into Humanware's options, which are the Victor Reader Trek at £749 and the Stellar Trek at £1,049, both of which would work very nicely, but are well out of my price range. So, with no other option, I spent the £40 on Blind Square. The app is fully accessible and works a lot like Soundscape, but does things a little differently. Not better or worse, just different. You can set beacons, which is known as Add Place, You can name the beacon, but you cannot add additional information like Soundscape will allow you to do. One thing that is really helpful is that you can add a distance tracker and set a distance. Now on both apps, you will be informed of the beacon and how far away it is, but with the distance tracker option on BlindSquare, it will give you regular updates on the beacon when you are close. For example, it will say 50 metres to bus stop and then 25 metres to bus stop. But when you get close, it will say 5 metres to bus stop at 12 o'clock and then 3 metres to bus stop at 12 o'clock and maybe 1 metres to bus stop at 6 o'clock. It is really very accurate and lets me know when I have passed my beacon. Once you have set a beacon, it can then be found and edited in my places. With regards to the 12 o'clock directions, you can change this to north, east, etc. or they have an option that uses directions such as ahead, behind, slightly to the left, etc. This can be changed in the settings. To find settings, there is a labelled button on the home screen called Other. Settings is the first option. There are lots of options and I won't go through them all, otherwise poor Laura might just end up breaking another pair of headphones. However, there is one that I will go into in some detail as it could be confusing. There is an option to change the actions of the buttons on your headset. One is to control music playback, which obviously does not control BlindSquare. One is for the voice command option on BlindSquare and the last allows you to access loads of BlindSquare options and menus. The confusion comes when you learn that this only works on wired headsets and not Bluetooth. I haven't used a wired headset in years. I completely forgot that they even existed. Still, them's the rules and if we didn't have the rules, where would we be? That's right, France. (laughs) The voice command option is the ticket makes doing a lot of things quick and easy once you know the right things to say. You can even set a beacon. Just say add, followed by the name you wish to give your beacon. For example, add bus stop. Simple and quick, using a wired headset or a voice command button at the bottom left of the screen. Another action that confused me was simulation mode. What this does is change your GPS location. Let me explain. Search for a location such as a hotel you are staying in for a works event or holiday. Once you have clicked on the correct option, there will be a button for Simulation Mode. If you turn this on, BlindSquare will change your GPS information from your current location to the GPS information of the hotel. 
Now, if you search for points of interest, what's around or any other location, it will give you directions from the hotel and not your current location. Any bus or train information will also be correct to the hotel. This will allow you to plan journeys, transport, see what coffee shops are around, check out restaurants, etc. A number of restaurants even have a menu for you to look at. Just turn simulation mode off and your GPS is corrected to your current location. Another handy feature is with Uber. Oh, and if you have the Uber app downloaded on your phone. So, back in Blind Square with simulation mode turned off, search for a location, let's say KFC, not sure why that comes to mind, <laughs> click on the correct option and you have the Uber app downloaded. There will be a button for Uber. If you click on this, Blind Square will port both your current location and that of your chosen KFC into the Uber app, where you can review and choose your driver. Getting direction, again, search for the place you want to go. Click on the correct option and one of the options is Get Directions. Click on this and you will be able to choose from pretty much any map app on your phone, such as Apple Maps or Google Maps. Click on your map of choice and BlindSquare will port over both the GPS details of your current location and of where you want to go. Walking directions has been default for me so far. Click on Go and you will get turn-by-turn -turn instructions. When walking, I feel that Soundscape gave me more information regarding things around me, but I cannot say whether this is good or bad thing. Sometimes she doesn't stop rabbiting away in my ear and quite frankly I get enough of that at home. Soundscape wow. does give a lot better detail Oof. on junctions. Blind Square just tells you the names of the roads, but no other information. However, I did contact them regarding this matter and they got back to me the following day. They are working on it and an update is due out next month. Would be absolutely amazing if they used the Soundscape code that Microsoft made public. Now, Blind Square does cost £40, which I know is not cheap, but it does work. In some ways, a lot better than Soundscape. If you do go ahead and purchase it, just remember that it is different and give it time. Personally, I find setting your own beacons makes it really useful to me. Oh, forgot to mention that the default voice is poor, but you can change it to any voice you have downloaded to your iPhone. I always use Kate Enhanced as my voiceover, so I have Jamie Premium as my Blind Square voice of choice. Laura, thank you for reading out my email. Knowing you will be reading it out and that I am not asking Stephen to struggle with it gives me, and I'm sure many others, the confidence to email in and be part of the community. Side note, you are very welcome. I would have done a demo, but with either voice memos or just press record, they both stop recording when Blind Square is launched. Sadly, I do not have a second device. Demo on one, record on the other. I hope someone somewhere has found this useful. I just wanted to let people know that there is another option to Soundscape. Blind Square is really very good. Take care and stay happy. Paul from Ripley, Merry Old England. Oh, thank you, Paul. That's wow. I think incredible. That, I think that deserves a yeah, round of applause. That was, that was very good. And you're absolutely right. I've been using Blind Square for absolutely years, but um, that was really helpful to me, I'll be quite honest with you, because I do find it a little bit overwhelming. Um, there are so many options in there and so many features that, um, yeah, sometimes you really need to dig down. But... I've got to say as well, the developer is fantastic. You can actually give him feedback through the app and he always responds. He is absolutely fantastic. And as for um, the intersection information, as Becky said the other day, the next update has Soundscape, some Soundscape functionality built in. And I'm guessing that's what it's going to be. Yeah. I have to be honest, the first time I tried Blind Square, and, and Paul is absolutely right. You've got to give these apps time. And I, I'm classic for not doing that. If it doesn't work in the first five minutes, I'm not using yep. it. And, and that's partly because I am really bad at using these apps or trying them in stressful situations where I just exactly. want to get the answer. But because I've not tuned myself into the app and what, how it actually works and what I need to do with it, you think there's something wrong, which brings us to an interesting point I'm going to come back to in a minute. But I, um, I, I think that was really helpful. That was really helpful to me. Paul, I'm definitely going to try this. I did buy it ages ago. And I remember at first it was that whole clock face thing, which really confused me. Everything was yes. all northwest and southeast. And what? Yes, I don't um, know what that means. I, yes. I mean, I, I, well, I mean, I understand clock face, but I couldn't understand, especially what, is that dependent on the way the phone is facing, the way I'm facing? How is it determining this? Yes, yeah, that's right. I couldn't work it all out. Do you just um, hold it, in your, yeah, put it in your chest pocket and it should work it out or yeah. do you have to hold it out in front of you um i think actually it, it it uses both if you put it in your pocket and you're after a while it will figure out which way you're walking it will just go off your gps 
direction rather than the actual gyroscope in the uh, in the phone. Yes, this is where the Bose frames were incredible, right? I mean, this yeah, is... exactly. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Blind Square did support them at the yeah. beginning. Oh, did they? Blind yeah, Square yeah. Well. Uh, but then it was taken away. Um, and obviously then Bose disappeared anyway. Right. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of development going on. He's permanently updating that thing constantly. So um, Yeah, do yeah. I need to give it another go? It was a long time ago, and, and I probably haven't given it the, the due respect it deserves. Um, but, no, I will try that out. And, and Paul, thank you. I'm probably going to go back and listen to your email again. Um, just And I think others will probably do the same. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to save that myself. Yeah, it was I'm really good. Listen back to that because I think I might actually listen to my own show. That's very unusual. <laughs> I'll fast forward me clearly. Obviously, not me though. Yeah, not you. No, no. no I'll listen thanks. to myself at high speed and you at uh, yeah. high pitch. I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Hate you. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's really, really good. You know, it's funny. We had the Bose frames the other day. I found them, but when I was coming to see you, and we were, I was doing my trip last week, and it was so great to have them back. I honestly thought I'd lost them. I could not remember having them, and then I found them in the drawer, and I thought, wow, th- these are so good. Got them charged up. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been loving them again, just loving the Bose frames, but it just irritates me that because that AR feature, especially in Soundscape, was excellent. It um, was. So, so good. But I mean, you can get the same with the AirPods Pro. It's just, um, um, yeah, the it transparency mode is good and it is great. But when you're out and about, kind of want a bit more awareness. I feel like it's still, your, your sound outside is still dulled down a lot. Yeah, but at the same time, with the Bose frames, sometimes you struggle to hear them amongst the traffic Yeah, that's noise. true as well. So, you know, you can't really win, can you? Um, it was an interesting point. So, you know, I was, men- I was mentioning this about the, the app, you know, not feeling like it was particularly, um, you know, usable for me. And I've mentioned this before on the show about usability and accessibility. And someone on Mastodon the other day put it up because they were talking about the fact that in the blind community, a lot of people talk about inaccessibility of apps, services, websites, whatever. When, in fact, in some cases, it's just usability or maybe just an unconventional way of navigation. And it got me thinking because I think there's some truth to that. I think there are times where you go in and something is accessible, but it doesn't feel accessible because it's not it, it, It's not the inaccessibility that's a problem. It's the usability. I've got a perfect example of that if okay. you're not going there. But yes, carry on. No, no, you go there. Well, what have we been playing you with? You go there, sister. I will do. What have we been playing with this week? The uh, new official phone link. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying, <laughs> I, I'm not recording a demo on this because it's just not accessible. And That's then right. you come on and say, it's totally accessible. What are you talking about? And we went through it together. And you're right, it is accessible, but... The navigation is just so uncomfortable for me. It sort of makes it inaccessible, but it's it's not. So it's one of those really strange ones. I think it's a case of you've got to put the time in to understand, okay, this this navigation is slightly not what I'm expecting it to be, but it is accessible. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd like to one. maybe I'd like to save that one because I think we should talk about that on Monday's show. We've got a lot of things we could talk about on Monday. And we're not going to be talking about WWDC because it's going to be happening that day. So we'll be instantly putting ourselves, you know, out of date before we oh. even you know, as soon as the, as soon as the the show airs on Monday, an hour later, Apple will be announcing either something or nothing. Well, can we do two shows on Monday? I mean, you know, a daily show obviously isn't enough. Can we do Clearly an hourly not. show. Uh, let's ask. Um, what, what are you thinking about that? That's a, that's a hard no. That is a hard. No. Oh, thank you, Mr. F. Yes, thank you. Please. I need some time. We are going to be so busy on Monday. You know, next week is going to be wild for us. We're going to be so busy because, you know, we've got Monday. We're going to be uh, focusing all in on what's happening with WWDC. Just to give you a little bit of a program note, on Tuesday's show, we'll be joined by Michael Babcock, AMI regular contributor, especially on the Kelly and Ramia show, and also here on uh, Double Tap as well, so you can enjoy hearing Michael's thoughts as uh, we record straight after the event, and that will air on Tuesday. So we'll be getting that instant reaction. Uh, Mostly it'll be, (gasps) or I'm tired, can I go to bed? Because apparently this is going to be the longest WWDC ever. Wow. Same like two and a half hours. Uh, Wow. Well, that, oh, now. Listen, you make sure you get a good sleep, because I do not want to hear you complaining. Well, you'll hear me complain. I know I'll hear you complain, but just Thank you. try and limit the complaining. Can we do I'm that? I'm 50 now. I go to bed at tea time. Everyone knows that. <laughs> well, go to bed at tea time and then get up. 
because we'll be talking through the night on this. Uh, and then on Wednesday's show, um, and Wednesday's show, we're going to be joined by Shelley Brisbane, host of Parallel Podcast oh, on Relay man. FM. And, professional uh, people are coming yeah, on. I don't professional like people. it. Yeah, we've lined up a, a great crew to tell you all about this because next week it is going to be the big focus of the conversation. So you can expect that. And then if he wants to, oh, Mr. Aflalo might be joining us for Saturday's <gasps> Weekend Express Edition where we'll be doing oh. an Express Edition WWDC special. How long can we make the title of this show? <laughs> Let's got, find out. Have you got the jingle ready? The boys are back in town. <laughs> Aflalo's back. Aflalo's back, yeah. We'll be getting him back. Mr. Aflalo will be joining us because uh, we're going to be uh, delving into all the news and he will be so excited. He will be like a pressure cooker and especially if... They announced Mac Studios, which is the new rumour that's kicking around. Oh, of course, yes. Um, We're going to delve into the rumours in just a moment. We're joined by Patrick O'Rourke, who is the editor of MobileSyrup.com, fantastic tech website in Canada, and of course available around the world, talking all about uh, WWDC and also getting into a little bit of uh, debate. I'm I'm going to prize some information out of him about Disabled writers on staff, Sean. Oh. oh. So you think we'll ever get him back on the show again? Are we getting a job? Um, no. Because neither of us are... <laughs> writers? Yes, yes. I was going to say disabled, but that doesn't make sense. We are. Professional. Uh, but we're not writers. Or, or oh, I'm professional. definitely disabled. I'm definitely you. not professional. Uh, so yeah, Patrick O'Rourke <laughs> from Mobile Syrup. Join us next. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Yeah, let's get back into it then. And uh, today we're joined by Patrick O'Rourke. He is from MobileSyrup.com. It's a tech website that brings you all the latest news. And uh, Patrick is the editor. He joins us now. Uh, great to have you here on the show, Patrick. Uh, let's kick off with the most obvious question. What are you thinking Based on what you've heard already, what do you think we're likely to see and hear about at WWDC? We'll see all the software that we see every year, like WWDC, it's developer focused. So they're going to talk about the software. You're going to learn about iOS 17, um, the new version of Mac OS, iPad OS. But like for someone like me, who's more interested in hardware, it's exactly what you were talking about, Stephen. We're going to see, hopefully, that's at least what the rumors are indicating, Apple's first mixed reality, virtual reality, augmented reality headset. Isn't it too late for VR now? I mean, if indeed that is what this turns out to be. I mean, usually Apple takes their time before releasing any new product, especially a new platform. Um, And unusually, it seems like it's from the top that really want to push this out. And others are saying it's not ready for prime time yet. Do you think Apple realized they're late to the game? Yeah, I I do think it's, to be quite honest, pretty late. Like, uh, in my mind, at least, the boat has sailed with virtual reality to some extent. Like, I know we've seen PSVR 2 from Sony very recently on the PS5. But generally speaking, like, even people that I know, they're not that into VR in the same way that they were when the Oculus Rift launched and the HTC Vive launched. Even myself, like, I still occasionally dabble in it, but, like, I had a a VR column on mobile syrup that I did at one point monthly, and I don't do that anymore. I I think with this device, the big thing will be, is Apple going to take the established concept of mixed reality and do something unique with it? Are they going to build on it in a meaningful way? And some of the leaks that we've seen indicate that, like there's, for example, um, the possibility of a digital crown-like control device that would allow users to go from the virtual world to the real world just with the twist of a dial. That could be really cool. It's supposed to be far more comfortable than other virtual reality headsets, kind of borrow from a bunch of different Apple devices in terms of the materials used to build it. It's supposed to have decent battery life. There's there's all these things that we're expecting that have been rumored, but the one deterrent, especially in my end, is is the price. It's supposed to be like something in the range of $3,000 Canadian, which is, that's more than like the Oculus, the, the latest Oculus Pro headset that Meta just revealed, like that is a very expensive device and that's a tough sell for consumers. The key term here is mixed reality, right? I mean, there was early talk of this being all about VR, but honestly, I just don't know what Apple would contribute in that space. 
Surely it's going to focus more on augmented reality, AR, since that's what they talk about most often at previous events. I don't, I don't know if I would say that I expect it to be AR-focused. I, I think it'll be a mix, right? You'll, you'll see the like standard virtual reality-focused games, but I think Apple will also play around with augmented reality quite a bit, so you're, you're definitely on the right track there. They've been doing that a lot with the iPad Pro and the augmented reality efforts Apple's placed over there. So I think that was kind of laying the groundwork for AR in terms of this device and getting developers interested in, interested in it and working on it. Um, yeah, so I, I think I guess to answer your question, it'll be it'll be everything. And that's why sometimes um, bloggers that are covering it, like myself, we just straight up say mixed reality because it, it's the, the lines are expected to be blurred, right? Like, I think you'll have apps that will like feature augmented reality elements and also virtual reality elements. And some of that will come into that digital crown like device uh, control device that I mentioned earlier. The very fact that this is being released, or at least we hope it will be released at a developers conference. I mean, it really highlights the need for developers to be on board for this, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, if it does happen, and I mean, I guess I should preface this with there are rumors that it maybe has been delayed yet again. But if it is shown off at this particular uh, conference, WWDC, it's to get developers hyped about it, to get them interested in it, to get them starting to make third-party apps and software for the device, because that's one of the rumors that we've seen um, pretty repeatedly over the last couple of years is that there aren't, there isn't like a killer app for it yet. There's not something that like someone would see the average Apple user and be like, I need that. I need to go out. I got to drop 3K on this device and I need to start wearing a virtual reality headset all the time. And I think Apple is hoping that a, dev a developer will come up with that if they're able to present it at WWDC in, a, in an exciting way ahead of its like eventual consumer release down the line. And that raises an important question. When do you think we'll actually be able to buy this headset? I mean, it's not going to be the week after WWDC, is it? And even the rumor mill can't give anything away. There haven't been, actually, um, but that, that's exactly what I respect, uh, expect 100%. I think that we'll see it revealed, and then it won't come out maybe until the fall. But then even as I'm saying that, I'm kind of second-guessing it because Apple wants to focus on the Apple Watch and the iPhone in the fall, right? Like, that's what they reveal every year. So it could even be farther out. It might even be like six, seven months from now before we actually see it come out. And again, in an effort maybe to get developers to create that killer app that they really want to see for the device in order to sell it to consumers. There are lots of rumours ahead of the event, and one is that new Macs will be showing off. The most likely is the 15-inch MacBook Air, but there's also talk of new desktops as well. I'm thinking Mac Studio, um, but it would be a good time to see the new Mac Pro emerge. Do you think they'll dump the huge tower, though, and, and just dump that whole design and maybe put the Pro into a smaller chassis like the Mac Studio? The rumor is that it's still going to be the, the cheese grater that we were all aware of that. that I, I actually like, I remember when that was revealed and, and a lot of people were really down on it. But when I saw it in person, it looked way different than it did in the pictures. And I kind of liked the look of it. But but that's the rumor is that it's, it's going to have um, a new chip, likely the M2 Ultra chip, and it'll still feature the same design. Um, that said, there are also rumors that the Mac Studio might be the first device to feature the M2 Ultra. Um, so, I mean, you could be onto something with that theory. Uh, it's still kind of unclear. It's interesting, isn't it, that the shiny, new, exciting hardware seems to be coming to the Mac. But when it comes to the iPhone, you know, it's marginal improvements at best. But at WWDC, obviously, this is where it highlights the improvements coming to the software, you know, iOS for iPhone. Do you think this is where the revolution is going to be found? I think so, especially with Apple's ecosystem. I, I write about it quite a bit on, on mobile syrup. Like smartphones, if, you, if you're dropping, whether it's Apple or Android or whatever, if you're dropping like $1,000 on a phone, it's going to be good, right? Like when we review devices, we struggle to find issues with them now at this point. Um, and it's really the software that separates them. And that's what I've always seen as being the advantage for um, the iPhone is the fact that it's software just in in my mind at least in my experience runs smoother than android and it's a little bit easier to use and there's also that big app ecosystem that and and it's a reliable app ecosystem at the same time too that that apple's built out over the years um but with ios 17 it's it's not even expected to be like a, a big leap forward um so it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying in some ways it's just going to be like um i've seen some people describe it as a tune-up there won't be anything new there won't be like 
a massive flagship new feature shown off at WWDC like we saw last year with the um, the lock screen stuff that was really cool and big Apple fans are, really liked it. Uh, it's just going to be like a stability update, maybe a couple of fun new features, but nothing nothing major. Well, let's hope they do release that headset. Otherwise, well, it's going to be a pretty boring year and I know Stephen just will be incredibly depressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling that when my team gets together to cover this year's WWC, we might be struggling to find like that big story that readers are interested in. Unless the VR AR headset is revealed, that'll be like the key marquee device. But the latest rumors indicate that it may have even been pushed back yet again. So like you said, I I think it's kind of a a wait and see situation. One thing I would mention on the software side is the new version of watchOS, watchOS 10, is expected to be a significant update, at least visually, like it's supposed to give um, the OS a new look and feel, which as someone uses the Apple Watch all the time, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It's been a long time since I think Apple's really paid attention to watchOS, so I'm excited to see it at least look different this year, I guess. One area that might leave us feeling a little bit lacking is in the world of AI, artificial intelligence. You know, it would be weird, I guess, if they don't do anything around it. I mean, Siri is next to useless at the moment, so an AI upgrade would be a huge leap forward. Yeah, I I think to some extent, Apple's a little hesitant to dive headfirst into AI. There's like some rumors out there that they're experimenting with things with Siri, I don't think we'll see anything at this year's WWDC. Like, I think behind the scenes, Apple's doing something because all of these companies are constantly copying each other and, and building off what other what other tech giants are doing. So I think something's going on behind the scenes, but it's it's kind of unclear what it is. And I, I don't think we're going to see it at WWDC this year, at, at, at the very least. How do you keep your readers entertained in this space every day, Patrick? You know, we do hear at the show how much tech news is out every single day but for everyday consumers who aren't as geeky as us how do you keep them interested it's tough sometimes to be quite honest that's part of why we cover more than just smartphones now we we write about games we we cover apps way more we write about streaming that's a a big new topic for us um smartphones and, and it's not just apple android devices they've reached this level of maturity where they're almost just a utility that everybody has and they're all pretty good they all work great and even if you're jumping from ios to android or android to ios both operating systems are similar in a a lot of ways um so it is it is tough to keep people interested in them we do a lot of like comparison pieces that's something that's big for us um we still do the reviews that everybody knows us for but it does get difficult sometimes trying to find ways to get excited about new devices. I think last year, for instance, with the uh, with the iPhone 14, the Dynamic Island was a huge draw. I was very excited about it. I thought it was unique. It's not something we've seen other smartphone uh, manufacturers do. It hasn't really panned out to what Apple wanted it to be quite yet. Um, I think third-party support's lacking, but... I guess to answer your question, that was something that I focused on in my reviews and my coverage was the Dynamic Island. That was the the one key, very interesting feature that I personally was hyped about. Um, and we did see like quite a quite a bit of reader interest in it. But it is it is difficult sometimes because these devices are are so they're just so mature at this point that for the most part, every phone that you're going to buy is is pretty good. It's really great to be talking to you today. You know, being a major tech news site that covers lots of areas, I have to ask you this question around accessibility. It's a huge part of our lives, but it's also a growing point of discussion in mainstream tech media. Sites like The Verge and Engadget, even 9to5, have covered many aspects of the accessibility tech space. But one of the challenges is getting disabled voices heard, if we're honest, because there just aren't enough or even any writers who are disabled working in mainstream publications. Have you given that any thought at Mobile Syrup? Wow, Stephen, put Patrick on the spot there, why don't you? <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're totally right. Um, we dabble in it sometimes when there's new accessibility features that come out, but uh, to be t- totally honest, it's not something that we um, cover consistently. Like if there's a new feature, we'll, we'll, we'll write about it. Um, and I think that that's something that needs to change. I think you've seen that shift a little bit with some much bigger publications in the video game space. There's a lot of video games that are doing interesting things with accessibility. Um, the Last of Us did all kinds of things with that. Uh, and again, like we, we've done the same thing. We've dabbled in it. Um, and I think it's a very important topic. 
But for us, to be honest, it often comes down just to resources. Uh, we're, we're a small but nimble team is what I like to describe us and s- describe us as. And I would love to cover more. And I think we should and we should come up with a plan to do that. But it's just hard being a, a team of uh, like six writers to be able to cover everything that we want to cover. But it is an important point, though, isn't it? You know, we need to be in the room. It can't just be a bunch of non-disabled writers reporting on their reactions to it. It's got to be from us, you know, and from the disabled community. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, I think that's very important. Um, in the gaming space, someone like uh, Steve Saylor, he's done a lot of great work. Uh, there's a lot of websites that he's worked with in terms of advocacy and bringing awareness to certain things. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, Mobile Serp could certainly be better at it. How can we find out more from you online and follow you there, Patrick? Yeah, you can find me on mobileserp.com. I I mostly edit things, but sometimes I still write stuff. Um, but And then you can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke. Um, and that's where I'm posting all kinds of stuff, mostly... Mostly Halo Infinite gameplay clips, but uh, that's also where I share my work. Patrick O'Rourke, editor of MobileSyrup.com. Thank you for joining us on Double Tap today. No problem. Thanks for having me. And don't forget, guys, everything we talk about on the show, we put links to in our show notes. We have gone crazy over here at Double Tap. Uh, we are actually doing work, which uh, I have to say, Mr. F. he is uh, very happy about that, uh, Mr. F. God bless you, Mr. F. You're welcome. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I had to ask that question to Patrick. I had to bring up that point about writers in the room, right? Because honestly, you know, there just aren't any. That's the problem, right? There's all these people writing about accessibility who are kind of looking in on it rather than talking about it. And that's, I think, the difference about our show in our community, and it's kind of hardened my stance. Whereas before, when I started this show, it was about, let's talk about mainstream, let's bring everyone in, and I'm all for that. But yes, you also have to recognise that there needs to be a conversation for us as well, which is slightly separate. You know, it's a different experience for us. If, we, if you talk about the, I mean, MetaQuest is a great example of that. Yeah. If we talk about it, it feels a little bit, weird in our community when it because the first question any blind person will say is well what's it what's it going to do with me why would i care yeah and you know that's why you know it's not going to be your top story you know in that kind of sense that we're going to get into it we're going to discuss it for hours on end um but you know apple brings out the headset okay you could make the same argument but the difference there is we know that there will be an accessibility component to it we just have to discover what that is yeah it's (laughs) absolutely I mean, I'll be honest with you, it did sound like we were being slightly rough on Patrick there, but it's absolutely the right question question to, well, I mean, listening back to it then, I thought, oh, wow, I was a little bit sharp. But um, no, let's say as well, Patrick was a really nice fella. It's a lovely guy. (laughs) And look, and and you know what? But again, sometimes with advocacy, it's not about steamrolling in and saying, you know, your website doesn't have X amount of disabled people. That's a disgrace. What it yep. is about saying is, have you even considered this? And most of the time, and he admits that. He says, look, we just we haven't done enough on it. We just haven't done enough. And yep. it's probably because it hasn't crossed his mind most of the time, which is perfectly normal, and that's everybody's reaction. Yes. That is and, normal, because we can't why, think about everything all the time. And that's why it's fine to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Do you know what? I'm looking forward to Monday, though. I am really looking forward to it. I am so, so excited about this. This is going to be the best WWDC. I might even buy a pizza. Oh, that was my first question. What takeaway are you going to get for WWDC? Because that is the tradition. Well, we, we always get together, right? You, me, and a couple of, get, a couple of guys. Yes. We get together. Um... And we would talk about and we everything, eat. and we eat. Yes, and and we kind of because for us it's like six o'clock at night, so it's dinner time for us. And so you know we'll sit down and we'll have our meal. I think it's going to be a pizza. I haven't had a pizza in ages. I haven't had a good pizza in a long time. Oh, that's very a, yeah, that's soggy. A good point. Yes. very soggy. I, I'm, I'm struggling here. I don't know what to have. Oh, it's so exciting. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Hey, listen, after the pizza, I'll have there will be plenty of feedback. <laughs> but none you'd want, I'll oh. tell you that. Um, wow. So. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. F stands for feedback. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting one on Monday, and I look forward to it. I think it, it, it's definitely going to be about the headset. I mean, the, all the rumours point to that. They're not just going to announce a 15-inch MacBook Air. 
You can't say that now because you never, ever know. I know, I mean, but how... that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? That'd be the worst event ever. I mean, they would be pillared if they did that. Yeah, but if it's not ready, you know what Apple are like for pushing it right to the very end? I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters that it's not ready because it's not going on sale. They're not going to be selling it right away. So I think they can show a concept design. I mean, I'm, I'm always reminded of the air power, Matt, which never made it. I don't know why yeah. they couldn't get that. I mean, Belkin figured that one out within 10 seconds. <laughs> Apple yeah. couldn't. I don't quite get that. But, you know, that was just one of those projects that went by the wayside. But no, this is definitely going to be an interesting one. So we shall watch with interest. Before we go, I just want to bring in a couple of comments because we've had some. Uh, Bilal's got in touch regarding our conversation on the Call Annie app. Hello, it's Bilal again. I use the Call Annie app and I can say it's amazing. My wife, however, is jealous because she seems to think it might take over our marital relationship. Weird, <laughs> I know. Anyway, I asked Annie about my SSD drive situation and it suggested a cloning software called Clonazilla, which seems to be accessible with screen readers. Might give it a go. Enjoying the show, Bilal. Yeah, see, the problem is when it suggests something, even if you ask Annie hey, you know, give me a software that's accessible and works with this, that, and the other. You know, the problem is the information's just not out there. That's the problem, isn't it? The, the, pro- the, the, the software's not going to say it's voiceover or JAWS or no, narrator compatible. Right. It should. Well, that should be a new standard. I mean, it, it could scrape some of the data from forums where it's been mentioned, but true, yeah, most probably not. And sometimes it'll say, yeah, it is, and it Absolutely, it is absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, but it is great. It just had another update recently. Um, I couldn't actually find what was new. It did mention the camera again, and it did mention you could take a picture of uh, a document and ask Annie to summarize it. So again, bringing in a lot of the new features. Very good. Yeah, and it's free. You can go download it now. Try it out. A lot of people still asking me about it. Every time we talk about it, I feel that we need to. Maybe we're just speaking too fast. I don't know what it is. Um, But it's called Call. (laughs) Annie. Yes. I wish it was Arnie. That would be much better. Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end, I think that would be so much cooler on the end of a FaceTime call. Every time. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The annoying thing is, it's really hard to open with Siri. But then again, everything is at the moment. It's impossible I know. To call open Annie just, just basically asks you to call someone. And it's Alex. like, do you want to call Anne? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got to go through that a thousand times. I'm trying to open up Ira Explorer. Forget oh, forget that. it. I know. Just no forget chance. it. Doesn't get it. Tried Era. Ira, nothing. I know. I've tried spelling it. Uh, no, 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 you can't hopeless. do it. Siri is useless. Come on, Apple. Can we fix that? I don't yeah. care how good this headset is. Can you make Siri useful? You can't even open set. I asked to open accessibility settings yesterday, and no, sorry, I can't do that. Why? I know. What's going on? Isn't it? Or it just takes you to the settings screen, which is often the case on the yeah, watch. Yeah. Uh, right, one more comment in from Mark. Hi, Stephen and Sean. It's Mark in Montreal. Back at you again. Just to say something about the Nova 3 style Libre. It works fine for me with voiceover. I'm using second generation. It's been approved by RAMQ, which is Quebec Healthcare. Uh, the first generation is out of date, so we are using the second generation here. I use it every day with voiceover to take my readings whenever I like. And it works fine for me. No issues at all with voiceover. Uh, running the latest version of iOS and uh, on an iPhone 14 Pro. I wanted to say, too, about Microsoft Soundscape. I just put it back in my phone because my go-to apps basically right now for GPS are Blind Square Event, the CNIB's version of the same, as well as Blind Square. Uh, I also use Lazario or Lazarillo or whatever you want to call it. That one's a good one, too. Um, I use Soundscape just lately again because there are things there, like you were saying in your podcast, that are unique and special, and it works well. And hopefully somebody will pick up the ball and put it out there again, whether it be the Blind Square folks or someone else, I hope that it continues to exist and morph itself into another or better version of the same. 
Uh, I've just started using good maps outdoors and uh, jury's out on that one. Uh, I know I have friends in Vermont on a chat group down there who absolutely swear by it, but there's stuff lacking on there, as there is stuff lacking on, I suppose, all of these. And that's why I keep using them uh, interspersedly, I guess, depending upon my mood that day and what I'm trying to do and whether I'm on Transport Adaptee, which is Quebec version or Montreal version of paratransit, or whether I'm walking. It's completely different what I might choose to use given my mood and given the circumstances of that particular event. So I do use all of them, but I will miss Soundscape as well, and I hope somebody else picks it up. All the best to you guys from the borough of NDG within Montreal. I continue to enjoy the show. It's great. Keep up the good work, and hopefully we'll be using Be My Eyes soon. Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Mark. Really good to hear from you and to get your take on everything. You know, the Good Maps one is interesting to me. I think that's very country specific, isn't it? It seems to be because there's lots of people absolutely rave about it. It's meant to be fantastic. Yeah. I did try it over here and it just didn't work very well. Again, I think you're right. I think this is country specific. I think if it starts to improve in Canada, which it hasn't yet, and in the UK, we could certainly be turned to that but it seems to be a bit of a slow rollout which is totally mm. understandable these apps yeah. often are uh, but still very interested to learn about that I mean you know they've got the whole of the US to cover and from my understanding and I am not a geologist are you not? I think that's the right word uh, no. but you know it's uh, <laughs> it's a big country <laughs> There you go, breaking news we need this more, hour. <laughs> more feedback on the Freestyle Libra. Yes. It just gets curiouser and curiouser. Well, as I check the inbox, there is already more comments coming in on that. We'll get to those on Monday's Perfect. episode. Join us for the Double Tap Express. Choo-choo time tomorrow as uh, we get into Couldn't the find news. The side effect. We have a brand new voice <laughs> joining us on the show. So, yeah, we'll get into oh, all that and bye. look forward to the Express nice. on tomorrow's Sorry. show. Back on Monday, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.